As manufacturers rethink how they collect and use consumer data, it has them reinventing their external partnerships. PepsiCo is not only entering first-of-its-kind relationships with companies like Spotify and EA, but it's also looking ahead to how it might use the data to drive further value at retail and for its retail partners. So in this episode of Tech Transformation, I'm talking with Mark Kirkham, SVP and Chief Marketing Officer of PepsiCo's international beverages business, about some of the new ways they're collecting data, how their partnerships are driving value well beyond brand awareness, and some of the technologies that are connecting the dots. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. I'm Lisa Johnson, the Editor-in-Chief of CGT. In this episode, I'm talking with Mark Kirkham, SVP and Chief Marketing Officer of PepsiCo's International Beverages Business. Mark's here to talk about some of the new ways they're leveraging technology to find value in their marketing partnerships and how they're measuring success in ways that they hadn't done in the past. So, Mark, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Lisa. Glad to be on. That's great having you. So um, you have been with PepsiCo for over a decade, right? So before this, you were with P&G, you were with Nielsen, you were with Forrester. So you know a little something when it comes to consumer insights, which we're going to talk about today. Um, But to kick us off, tell us just a little bit about your current role, uh, its scope, and, and what you're focused on. Yeah, so I'm a CMO of International Beverages, which is basically everything outside the U.S., uh, which in our business, um, you know, basically is a a huge part of our growth um, engine in terms of our beverage business. Uh, This includes markets from China to the Middle East to Latin America and, and of course, in Europe. Uh, And what it it obviously has is uh, varying degrees of of complexity and different dynamics from a retail environment and different dynamics from a business environment. When you think about, uh, we run a lot of franchise businesses around the world, um, and uh, but we have these amazing brands um, and we have amazing global brands that we're able to scale across all markets. Uh, and that's what makes these jobs uh, very exciting. So on tech transformation, we like to talk, you know, we're talking about roles, talking about jobs. We'd like to talk about first jobs. So we've heard some really good ones. Uh, Claire Wyatt was on recently talking about, um, from Albertsons Media Collective, talking about her babysitting monopoly, not just babysitting job, but, but a, mono- a whole monopoly she had. So what was your first job? I, I mean, I did all the, the uh, stereotypical ones. I was a paper boy. I was, I cut lawns. I shoveled driveways. The, the most interesting early job was I worked at a wings place. Like I made buffalo wings, um, which was That sounds awesome. Not fun. In some way. It no, I was <laughs> um, and it's it, it will always go down in history as the only job I quit and I don't regret any any minute of it. But yeah, so uh, but yeah, and I had a lot of jobs along the way and, and learned something from each and every one of them and one of them was I don't want to work at a wings place ever again. Oh, see, as someone who loves wings, I see why. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a little hard, but I, I can understand that. So my my first on the books job was scooping ice cream at Friendly's, and I needed ice cream for a year, um, just because I couldn't <laughs> stand the sight of it after that. Um, okay, so we're here. Besides jobs, talk about partnerships. Talk about insights. PepsiCo recently formed some new partnerships, and you've grown some existing ones, and you're calling some of these first of their kind. Um, you know, for example, you you expanded your 
your relationship with UEFA, which is the Union of European Football Associations. You entered into a partnership with EA Sports uh, and you launched a new platform for the Rockstar brand on Spotify. So that's just a yeah. few things. Um, so can you tell us, you know, why are they becoming more of a priority for, for the company? Um, it's obviously more than brand awareness. Yeah, absolutely more than brand awareness. And and let me let me talk about a few of them just in putting in context. I think first off with Spotify, I mean, clearly streaming music is where, you know, the consumer is today is where the industry is today, whether on traditional streaming platforms from traditional radio stations or to the likes of Spotify. Um, but but what are the opportunities with with these platforms is to make them more engaging than just streaming? You know, how do you bring more video content? How do you make more um, engagement opportunities with consumers? And we were able to partner with Spotify with a product they call Stages. It was the first time it was ever used in international um, and definitely within our industry. Um, and what it allowed us to do was actually create a concert and a, a multi-dimensional concert with uh, an artist in the UK called Stormzy. He's probably one of the top hip hop artists in the UK, also spans across many markets around the world. He's done work with Ed Sharon and many others, um, but also, also local artists in, in markets like Poland and France and others. So we're, we're able to use this platform to create new environments and worlds where their fans and frankly, just regular listeners could be prompted to engage. Uh, engage in multi-universes using CGI. We use CGI, we filmed Stormzy and, and complete outfits, created different worlds where he was singing his tracks. Um, and we learned a lot about data, a lot about engagement, a lot about how long people can stay engaged in, in kind of longer form content. And also, ultimately, it also for the artists and for their labels and for Spotify, you get a lot of great informa information and data around viewership and listening. You know, I mean, we actually ended up with over 15 million um, actual engagement into this platform just in the first two weeks it was out there. And, and that's oh. a pretty impressive number when you consider it's based through their subscriber base uh, and also in a chance to get into premium subscription. So for us, it's a, a brand new technology. It's, it's a, a very immersive and growing space with downloadable and streaming music um, and, and also a great way to engage fans with our brand. You know, it's not just a banner ad. It's not just a visibility play or an awareness play. It's a fundamental brand engagement play. We want to make our brand, you know, relevant to them through platforms that are relevant to them, through passions that are relevant to them. And that's where Spotify was was a, a perfect example and a great way to show innovation, but also just a way to do things differently versus yeah. just creating an ad with an artist or just buying a track and using it in your communication. So getting more experiential. Yeah, much more. Um, and then I think if I shift gears and look at EA, I mean, EA is you know one of the, the, the top gaming companies in the world, and they've, they've decided to shift their previous relationship um, with FIFA to rebrand and recreate EAFC. Uh, that created huge opportunities for us because uh, for a variety of reasons, we couldn't work with them uh, when they were partnering up with FIFA because of competitive relationships within the football uh, FA. But but when they've rebranded, they turned to us and we've worked with them over a year to build this partnership really to help create new experiences with fans. Um, it's not just about football. It's not just about gaming. There's opportunities to bring music into play here. There's opportunities to leverage some of our shared interest in athletes, you know, Venetius Jr., uh, Leah Williamson and many others, how we can create different ele elements of brand integration, fan engagement uh, and then take that outside of the game into our retail packaging, in-store point of sale, communication, advertising. This is what allows us to take you know, what's in the game into what's in the real world. Um, and I think that's going to be a really special partnership for us to take 
grassroots programs like we do for Gatorade to music to our UEFA partnership to different levels in working with EA. And the data sharing ability that they can do today versus in the past based on the previous relationship gives them a lot more opportunity to do more with data. Uh, and then lastly, you know, we talked about UEFA. UEFA is obviously a, a massive platform for, for tournaments of games and, and the, the, the most top flight of football. But actually now with our partnership, if we've extended to 2027, we are going to have much more focus on integrated data usage, really targeting consumers, new consumers, using our music platforms like the kickoff show to engage new fans, using elements of our sustainability strategies to actually do more um, as we look to move to a zero waste to landfill initiatives across their platforms and with our products and our brands, uh, and ultimately just open up the aperture of sport. Because while football fans are rabid and there's you know more football fans around the world than any other sport, the, the, the industry and the game itself has the opportunity to open itself up much more. And that's what our brands and some of our platforms allow them to do. So I'm glad you brought up retail. You started talking about point of sale material. Um, our audience, the tech transformation audience is comprised significantly of retailers. So I want to dig into that more. So talk, can you tell us how are these partnerships going to drive value to your retail experiences, to your retail partners? Absolutely. So if I'll, I'll look at each one separately because it's a unique angle in each. So if you go with the Spotify, um, obviously you've got the, the driving footfall through brand promotion. So we're, we're actually doing partnerships on pack promotions with free subscriptions, premium subscriptions with every can. We're using the Spotify codes, which are those unique. They look like uh, uh, EQ, uh, EQ codes um, that allow people to access content, music, both in-store and on pack. Um, and also allows us to do incentives for their, uh, for their fans and, and for their fans of their stores. And even we can do a fan uh, incentives for their employees. I think one of the things crew incentives are always lost. And when you can go to a retailer and say, and I'll give you an example, like we're putting on a, a, a gig with Stormzy. Um, and it's a very private gig. So obviously, it's a consumer promotion. But how do you take that and add more value to retailers? So these are the types of opportunities we get. I think the other thing what we're doing is, is interesting is we're leveraging some of our own capabilities, um, which are actually looking at perfect store and personalization at scale. And how do we leverage store level data to target most valuable stores and work with our retail partners to actually drive traffic? We've done different tests to look at the right level of signage, the right level of promotion, and using that store level detail and actually creating perfect store universes to understand where we have the most, whether it's the energy drink category, or partnerships even within our own portfolio across food and beverage, how can we increase basket size? So by using just simply a promotional mechanic with Spotify and our own data and our own analytics and be able to target perfect stores, we can elevate that experience for both the retailer and for the consumer. So you mentioned, so as part of this, you had mentioned um, there's more data sharing going on to make these partnerships more valuable. So can you talk about how you're leveraging these insights um, to make these campaigns more successful? Like, how is this different than what you were doing in the past, essentially? I think what the most important thing that's different is I think data has evolved beyond transaction. Um, I think too often in the past, we relied on data to tell us what happened in the past and on a transactional level. What we need is to find the way to share data. And look, sharing data is, is not always easy. Everyone has their own proprietary data. But I think if you find the right ways to partner with your retailers, with your third parties, to share data to actually really surround the consumer with your brands from a retail and from a manufacturer standpoint, this ability to share will allow us to not only see what they bought, but 
What are they interested in? What are they bought last time? What are the things, what are the other categories they're engaging? You know, how do you tie it in through other subscriptions, other services? This is when you take a mobile platform like Spotify to an in-store activation platform, just like a regular POS, and then take it to the next level with um, actually integrated into the Stages platform where they can actually be interacting with a point of sale, an outdoor uh, signage, a, a bus shelter six sheet. All of these interconnected points create data. And if you can find the right mix of retail partner, in this case, Spotify and brand, I think what you can do is no longer focus on just that end transaction, but the ecosystem in which you can engage both the consumer, but ultimately from a retail standpoint, the shopper, drive more trips, drive more engagement, create more reasons for them to come to their store. So, so then let's talk ROI as part of that. So there's a lot of different things you can measure in, in a lot of new ways. But so how are you tracking progress now with all these new capabilities? Um, can you share, you know, some of the metrics that you're really valuing? Yeah, look, I, th I think the more you move to new platforms, the harder it is, right? I mean, it was always easy to do a Nielsen analysis, look at your baseline, look at your lifts. Um, the more you start going outside traditional measure metrics, it's more difficult. I think we have to be honest with that. But what you can do by using, again, a combination of our internal data, our partner data, and customer data, if we can actually look at what are the rate of sale within individual stores where we had targeted media or we had specific promotional activations, we've actually seen, in some cases, lifts of 20, 40, 60% tied to specific in-store sales. Now, again, that is something then you have to actually do a lot of the back-end calculations, financial ROI basis, but those are the type of detailed analyses you can do that you didn't used to do in the past. And even in the traditional Nielsen world, which obviously, as you mentioned earlier, I worked in, there are limitations outside of essentially the till or the, the, the receipt of the purchase and the transaction. Now we can actually do it through mobile media. Now we can do it through dedicated, targeted um, out-of-home displays. Um, and that's where we can kind of design these most valuable stores, these perfect store assortments. All of this is now changing how manufacturers and retailers can work together. Um, you know, Nielsen data, all the traditional syndicated data is really important for the transactional side. But when you start being able to bring in the media data and the engagement data from someone like a Spotify or other partners, now you have a much more robust way to measure ROI. Can you talk about some of the ways you're using the Spotify data or, or maybe not specific Spotify data, but this this new data uh, elsewhere within the company or, or in other ways in marketing? I think I think the best way that we're, we're trying to internalize a lot more data, capture a lot more first party data. I think one of the challenges always is with third parties, there, there's certain data, they'll give you aggregate data, but they won't give you, you know, individual data. And obviously GDPR and others prevent certain data sharing. But I think what we've been able to do is kind of match different data sets. So looking at what we can know, what we have from first party data, match it to syndicated store level data, match it to geographic, if not demographic data coming from a third party. That kind of cross section of data will allow us to be smarter in how we target, um, more effective and efficient in terms of our media buying. Um, and then I think from a retail standpoint, we can really hone in on stores. If we can hone in on certain stores, then you can think differently about how you prioritize assortment, how you prioritize fulfillment. All of those different elements can come together. And so a lot of what we're using is a, it's a lot of our own data that we capture uh, in working with our retail partners, but equally, you know, getting um, using third party external data to kind of better target our activities. And I think that's where the industry is heading. 
Um, we're lucky to have a lot of internal experts and we've really invested in data analytics and, and uh, retail analytics that we hadn't in the past. I think that's changing how manufacturers, the value add we can offer back. Because we can go to our bottlers and to retailers with a, he- you know, a heck of a lot more to offer than just discounts and DNA and allowances. That's the big value add I think that's changing the game. Has there been in these new methods and these new strategies, has there is, can you talk about maybe a time where you really learned something that you weren't expecting or something that's just totally debunked, you know, maybe a common concept, you know, common thought you had about something? Well, I think there's the general thought around the, the role of promotions, you know, I mean, and discounting, you know, in, in my past life and in to call it generically, we look at depth of discount and um, the frequency of discount to drive repeat purchase or traffic. And, and I think we're in a world where engagement sometimes is more important than depth of discount. Now, I don't have any data that says it's been proven, but if you think about it from a human standpoint, we, we're passionate about things. Um, and if we're passionate about something, whether it's music or, or sport or, or anything in particular, you're less willing to or you're more willing to pay and less willing to like just be persuaded by a one off, a buy one, get one. You're going to you're going to change your mindset. So I think the, the thing that has come through in some of this work is, wow, if if we're really smart about what how we target the type of platforms that we we engage with in a more engaging way, we may not have to discount as much. And ultimately, the value add to a retailer is higher than it would have been otherwise. Um, and what it also allows you to do, both the retailer and the manufacturer, is you know, reduce the kind of reliance on promotion that I think ultimately can drive category value down. So to me, focusing on passion points versus price reduction is, is, is not just an aha, I think it's, it's, a, it's a reality, but it's not about what, it's about how. We need to be unique and differentiated in what we do. This is where personalization becomes really important. Also, customization for retailers, not a one-size-fits-all, so how does this work differently across big partners? Um, those are the kind of challenges that we face, but I think this idea of really tapping into passions will make a big difference in the future. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, you know, passion, of course, and, and you you just alluded to this, passion uh translates into personalization, right? So you're a large, you're a massive global company. Um, you operate in, you know, all around the world. How are you, how do you stay hyper-personalized within each of these markets? You know, how, and you have this great, you know, this unique perspective as, as leading over the international business. So, you know, tell us what are some of the ways that you're doing this? I, I think it's a combination of finding how you do, drive global scale and local relevance. It sounds simple, but and it's not simple. It's just that I think the, the, the best thing we have going for us is we have these amazing globally scaled brands. The challenge that we have to work through with our with our markets and ultimately our retail partners is how do you make them locally relevant and and stay consistent and true. And I think when you have big platforms like what we've done with Spotify, like what we've done with EA or with UEFA. We, the, the, the scale comes not just from the brand, it comes from the partnership. And if you can take the scale partnership with the big brand expression and bring it to them in a locally relevant way, whether it's through specific retailer promotions, uh, specific integration of local talent, um, we can actually change um, a local perception on what is a global idea. I think in years past, you know, when I was, when I was coming into the industry, it was a very top-down industry. Um, And today it's a very bottom up industry. But at the top, there still lives these amazing global brands that can be 
localized and harmonized in a way that really drives scale. And that's what partnerships allow us to do. And, and those partnerships also allow us to bring culture and, and different genres into a much global scene, a much more global scene. Uh, for example, our kickoff show we do with Pepsi. And this, this one I think we're all really proud of. It's, a, it's essentially, if, if you really break it down, it's a, it's a concert um, before a match. But what we've turned it into is a three-month engagement program, including engagement through consumer. And the next step is going to be retail in how we bring the consumer to the event. So we actually had over 21 billion impressions from this overall program over three months, cumulatively. Seven billion were just earned media. And these, and we had actually consumers uh, who, who submitted uh, UGC content to actually have a chance to be on the pitch and dancing in the opening show. Now, the next step is how, how do you bring that to retail? How do you take that same experience into retail? So I, I think there's a big opportunity to take these passion points and bring different consumers from around the world and different genres. I mean, we had Afro beats, we had a Brazilian rapper, we had a DJ from the Nordics. You have the chance to bring cultures together and all united under this global passion around football, around a global brand like Pepsi, you get a lot of reach, a lot of engagement. And now the next step is how do you bring it into the store? And it's just that easy, right? Just just as you said, just so It's easy. just that easy, absolutely. <laughs> <It's just> that. <laughs> uh, well, I know uh, for our retailers who are listening, I'm sure they would love also for, for um, to help make that happen. So, okay, so last question, what's next, right? So in terms of tech-driven marketing experiences, anything you can talk about that we should have on our radars from PepsiCo? Look, I, I think um, every brand is going to continue to explore how they leverage first-party data. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot more companies will do to build their own data sets. There's a lot more companies will use the data for targeting and analytics um, and also for insights. I mean, the insights is the given, but then what you do with those insights to power things beyond that is really important. Um, I think we'll also continue to explore new platforms um, in data sharing as well as in uh, brand experience. Music is obviously a big platform. New streaming services for mediums, you know, whether it be through um, uh, you know, OTT platforms or others. I think there's going to be new media channels and retail media is changing dramatically. You know, how, you know, it's no longer about an FSI. I don't even know if people like think of that concept anymore. You know, retail media is evolving massively. And even if you start to think about how retail media is now linking to mobile media, I think all those spaces are areas that you're going to see continued evolution. It creates a huge opportunity for data sharing I think that's the one area we'll continue to work with retail partners and for us, our bottlers, is how can we share more but still maintain our, our kind of proprietary data sets? Um, because ultimately, what are we trying to do? We're trying to drive consumers to the store to buy our products. And if we can do that in a mutually beneficial way, and actually we can build fruitful engagement tied to passions, not price points, I think what we're going to do is actually elevate the game. Oh, that's awesome. Well, definitely some exciting times ahead. So, Mark, I, I want to thank you so much for joining Tech Transformation and sharing all this insight into what's going on at PepsiCo. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit rasnews.com and consumergoods.com to sign up for our newsletter.